My name is Dave Endler, and I work for Tipping Point. To my left is Mark Collier with SecureLogics, and we're pleased to be the first presentation in this session. Thanks for showing up. I know some of you had a hard night. We have a lot to go through, so I'm just going to get started and dive in. So the only shameless plug of this presentation is we wrote a book. It's coming out in December. A lot of the stuff that we'll be showing you today is actually going to be uh, in the book, but what we tried to do is we tried to take the most interesting exploits, the most interesting demos that we could, fit into a half hour, uh, and actually show you these today. We actually are releasing a lot of tools that are available at hackingvoip.com. So if you click on tools and downloads, we just released those today, and we'll be walking through what many of those are. So just to set the stage, I want to kind of fly through the introduction so we can get to some sexy demonstrations. Um, voice over IP security is, is a huge hairy beast, and it's such a broad term. Because to talk about VoIP, you're not just talking about one specific type of application. It's lots of applications running on lots of different platforms and lots of different environments. You have carrier VoIP, enterprise VoIP, consumer VoIP. So as you all know, in the security industry, it's following much the same life cycle that most killer apps follow uh, when they're starting to become widely adopted. No one is really concerned about the security risks so far because there hasn't been that one compelling event. Um, Mark and I... Are, been both believe a compelling event is going to start to emerge within a, probably a year. So this is the obligatory geometric shape that's in every security talk. Uh, essentially, again, VoIP is more than just applications. If you can compromise the underlying Windows operating system of a PBX, it doesn't matter what you can do to the actual VoIP application running on it. So you guys get that. So these are some of the attacks we're going to be talking about today. If we actually slice that pyramid, um, you actually see some of the VoIP-specific attacks at the very top, at the application layer. But obviously, the same sorts of threats that plague traditional data networks today uh, are the same threats that plague VoIP networks. In some cases, those kind of attacks can take on an expanded severity. For instance, uh, if your uh, data network is bombarded by a DDoS attack, it may mean your web application surfing is a little slower than normal. Uh, if your VoIP network is bombarded by a DDoS attack, it may mean that calls coming in are unintelligible. So, Really, we're talking about some added security requirements, quality of service, reliability, and privacy. So the first section is actually doing some reconnaissance of a VoIP network. So this is our test bed that we have seated in front of you. You'll notice that the Cisco phone is mysteriously absent. And no, it's not because they're going to sue us, and it's not another Michael Lynn incident. Mysteriously, the Cisco phone didn't survive the travel from Austin to Las Vegas. Uh, I don't know if a baggage handler was paid off or, or what. Um, but unfortunately, we can't show you some of the Cisco-specific stuff. We did prepare some screenshots, so um, a lot of this will be online, so you can replicate it for yourself. So we have uh, two phones, an Avaya 4620, which is right here. And we have a SNOM 360, which is over to the left. And in the middle, we have two uh, mini cappuccino PCs, just a, a Linux platform. Um, the one to my left is running asterisk, and the one to the right is our attack platform. So uh, Cappuccino PC is nice for demo purposes. Take them on the road, they're pretty small. So I'm going to go through these slides pretty well because, again, these are te techniques that are applicable to most types of environments, uh, regardless of if they're VoIP or not. So as you know, there's lots of juicy information on websites. So again, if you want to know what VoIP system something, someone is running, you know, go to their job listings, see uh, what type of skill sets they're looking for. It's pretty straightforward. 
Uh, Google Detect Support Department. Uh, sometimes you'll find default passwords for resetting phones. Lots of interesting stuff. Uh, more interesting is Google hacking, which was popularized by Johnny Wong. Uh, we picked on our publisher, McGraw-Hill, so you can actually type this into Google, and you'll find all of the uh, 877 prefixed uh, main switchboard numbers uh, for all the McGraw-Hill companies. So that's useful because most VoIP PBXs will probably have some exposure on the main line coming in. We'll show you that. Uh, if you go to our website, we're assembling a list of uh, IVR, Interactive Voice Response Systems. So when you call in, you'll hear a default usually, uh, welcome to, um, or you know, greetings, uh, please leave a message at the sound of beep. A lot of those are actually specific to the vendor. Uh, it's not online right now, but we'll be uploading those later. So you can actually listen in, go to our site, and figure out what's, what's the system you're actually calling into if it is VoIP. So Google hacking, of course, the scary thing about most of these phones, unlike the traditional phones that you know and love today, these things are like mini computers. Uh, a lot of them have web browsers, and a lot of them are exposed on the internet for some reason. Your, your phone should probably never be exposed on the internet purposely, or not purposely, unless you're trying to do what we're trying to show you right now. If you go to hackingvoip.com, you'll actually see a lot of the search terms that we provide. Uh, we we're going to show you the, the Cisco web interface, but it's hard to see it from the screen, especially if you're on that side. But if you go straight to the Cisco web interface, uh, you actually can glean some interesting uh, information, such as DHCP addresses, or DHCP server addresses, TFTP server addresses, the IP address of the phone itself, um, and of some of the accompanying um, services that it supports. So if you type this into Google, and we're not connected to the wireless network for obvious reasons, um, you can actually find a lot of exposed Cisco phones. And some of them may not be accessible. I wouldn't recommend clicking on it, because I'm not a lawyer. I'm not sure what clicking on the cache means legally, but um, you'll find some interesting information out there. So we provided this, these types of uh, strings so you can actually use it for your own uh, company. Uh, if you add site colon and then your domain name, you can see all the exposed uh, white phones for your company. So I'm gonna actually show our first demo. So SNOM phones have a packet capture web interface. So this is the SNOM phone to the very left. And go all the way down, there's something called PCAP trace, which is really scary. So if you find this on the internet, you can actually click on PCAP trace. And I don't know if you can see this on the screen, but I'll just read a little bit. Uh, it says on the screen, on this page, to see what is going on in the network level, you can generate PCAP files on this page. Uh, start recording, press the start button, and stop, press the stop button. Okay, so let's press start. All right, so let's try actually making a call and see what happens. So I'm calling this non phone. Let's see if our demo foo is strong. No, not that. Bad. Mark's gonna say a few hey, words. Dave. Hey, hey, I hope you're not seeing any of the signaling here. Uh, you can hang up now. <laughs> so we'll stop and then uh, go here to download it. And I actually want to show you a demo of uh, reassembling these files with Ethereal. Now it's called Wireshark. So this is gonna open in Wireshark, uh, downloading the PCAP that we just created. And again, this is just doing it with a web browser. Anyone could do this over the internet. 
shark is loading. I'm going to show you how to reassemble the stream. We'll just we'll play it back. Now you can only play back one conversation. Um, so here's uh, here's the stream. What we're going to do is go to analyze. I'm sorry, go to statistics. We go to RTP. We go to show all streams, and we'll see both sides of the conversation. We'll probably see some other types. So interesting one is probably going to be uh, this one right here. So we go to analyze and save payload. So we'll save it in this format on our desktop and we'll just play it back so you can see how this works. So this is really scary. If you find some of these phones, you can just record people's conversation. desktop and play this. Uh, that was a test we did. Thanks. Hope there's nothing incriminating on here. thing that's interesting with uh, Wireshark is you can actually test the uh, quality of service with many of these phones. I'm going to analyze it again. And you can see things such as jitter and delay. Uh, jitter is interesting because um, if there's too much jitter, if there's too much delay in the delivery of these packets, you actually won't. Um, you won't be able to understand the conversation. was the one-way conversation on the Avaya phone. It's hard to tell because it was on speaker. I'm glad you waited for that demo. That was very worthwhile. What are you going to do? All right, so let's move on. So in terms of scanning, we all, knew how, we all know how to use Nmap. Nmap actually has a pretty useful uh, host, host OS identification uh, feature. It actually works really well on some of these phones. The ones that it does not work well on were actually submitting those fingerprints to Fyodor. Um, so as you can see, I don't know if you can see this in here, it'll be in your proceedings. Uh, it picks up a Cisco IP phone, you can pick up uh, all sorts of uh, phones just with uh, Nmap's default options. So in terms of scanning, what you're looking for is the SIP service, Session Initiation Protocol, uh, on phones that support it. Those typically respond on port 5060 and 5061. Um, skinny SCCP that runs on Cisco phones, Cisco proprietary protocol. Uh, response on 2000, 2001. Sometimes on these phones, you'll see an interesting high port, 17185, which is uh, the VxWorks debugging port that was left open. So if you have a debugger, go ahead and fire it up and do some remote debugging, get administrative access on those phones, which is somewhat scary. 
let's talk about enumeration. So some of the attacks that Mark will be showcasing require you to actually know what username or extension some of these phones are uh, in order to you know, brute force the password or to flood the phone, etc. So we're going to show you how this works. So again, introduction to SIP. SIP is a lot like, never seen it, it's a lot like HTTP or uh, web requests. You know, web services have get, post, uh, SIP has invite, buy options. Uh, so these are all SIP messages. The responses are a lot like web services as well. So if you get a 200, okay, that means everything's going well. 400, 404, not found, means the user that you just dialed isn't there or it doesn't exist. Uh, and so these are the various classes of error messages that we're going to be looking at. So this is what's called the SIP trapezoid. This is how, this is how an actual VoIP phone call uh, looks with SIP messages. So an invite is sent, uh, and there's some diagnostic information that's sent back to the caller. Uh, then an RTP stream is set up, and then uh, a buy, the actual BYE message is sent to hang up the call. So this is this is simplification of it, what this uh, what an actual VoIP call looks like, but we're going to be exploiting various parts of this mechanism. So to actually figure out what users are in a organization's VoIP PBX, uh, we can do something similar to how you find hidden web pages on a web server. We can just start enumerating them with the options tag. Options is a method that's used in order to see what services the PBX supports. So if you send a PBX an options method, you'll typically get something such as uh, it supports the following methods, invite by, um, it also supports these codecs. So you can also uh, abuse the options tag to figure out what users are registered on a PBX. So here's an example just using Netcat. Uh, we're looking for uh, test at the PBX at 192.168.1.104. And it's not found, but if it was uh, a legitimate user, you'd get a 200 OK. So you understand the basic principle here. So we can automate this using a tool called Civis. It's available from botsecurity.com. So Civis is a neat little tool. It has a lot of functionality. We're going to use it just to uh, enumerate the VoIP services here. So we'll just pick on one of the phones. Actually, we'll pick on our asterisk server. So 192.168.1.103. Oh, I'm not going to be able to do this because of the, uh, the dimensions of the screen. Okay. So this is a nice screenshot we have of what that would look like. Uh, essentially, you put in an IP range, and as you can see, I hope you can see it there, you'll actually see the server uh, user agent. So I'm going to go back one screen so I can tell you exactly what we're talking about. A lot like uh, web services you'll see here, uh, the blue line is actually the... PBX software that's running. So this is running SIP Express Router. So the neat thing about the options response is that it'll have a lot of juicy information in it. Uh, most PBXs support this. So again, so this is a lot like web security. If you're looking for the version of the web server, you would type, you're probably looking for just the get response, a blank get response, and you get the server response. Same thing with uh, SIP. So again, if we wanted to enumerate a bunch of usernames, it's kind of tedious. Um, we wrote a tool to do that for you. So what I first want to show you is our asterisk server. So this is running asterisk at home. And essentially, it's a single CD ISO that you can install. 
Uh, it's now called Trixbox, T-R-I-X-B-O-X, it was renamed. But essentially it's a single CD that has a lot of juicy stuff on it for setting up an asterisk server in about 30 minutes. Not only does it have asterisk, but it has uh, this web front end that'll let you add users, add extensions. So if we click on setup, I'm actually surfing uh, the web server on this PBX as we speak. You'll see uh, some extensions to your right. So these are the extensions that are valid on this asterisk phone. Right now we only have two phones registering in right now. Uh, our SNOM and our Avaya. Obviously you see the Cisco is supposed to be there. We had a couple more phones. So these are the valid uh, extensions that this asterisk server knows about. So what we're going to do, we'll load our tool that we wrote. It's called SIPSCAN. And hopefully we can run this with the uh, resolution. Can you guys see it on the screen? No. Okay. Wow, zero for three. That's good. So, yeah, I'll show you a screenshot. So, essentially, what you do is you put the target IP address of the SIP server on your left. You put the domain, in this case, it's the same as the IP address. And there's three different types of scanning you can do you can do register scanning, option scanning, and invite scanning. So, register scanning essentially determines that. Uh, we're going to try and register an invalid extension to this box and see what the error message is. And then what we're going to do is we're going to register uh, a bunch of brute force usernames as well. And we're going to compare the response. So the, the idea here is let's pick an absurd user ID that's never going to actually be active on any of these. We'll use that as our base, our control, and we're going to compare that to every single other extension that we're brute forcing. And so as you can see in the screenshot, uh, we actually found all of the extensions that were registered on this asterisk server. So you can download the tool, play with it yourself. It's available at hackingvoice.com. So TFTP enumeration. All of these phones download the configuration file with TFTP. And trivial FTP, as you know, is uh, not uh, very secure. It's not password protected. And there's lots of juicy information you can get off of those configuration files. Passwords, default services, uh, IP addresses, usernames. So if you go to our website, download a tool called TFTP Brute. Uh, the problem is you can't actually do a directory listing as you can with an FTP server, but if you can guess the name of the file, <clears throat> guess the name of the file, you can actually download that file and look at it. So what we did is we put together a huge long list of common VoIP configuration file names and download that off of our site. And you can brute force the TFTP server uh, in your VoIP environment to see what files come up. So here you can see we ran TFTP Brute, came up with five files that found. And then what you can do is look through those files. Typically there's some very interesting information in them. Finally, for enumeration, a lot of these phones have SNMP enabled. So obviously, you know, again, these are the same sorts of security risks that are inherent to a lot of networks, network devices. Um, some of the information that you can find, you can figure out what type of phone it is, get the OID using a tool such as uh, SolarWinds. Here we use SNMP walk on the Avaya phone here. And as you can see, it's a little bit redacted. What you can see is that uh, the phone itself will give up all sorts of interesting information just with the public string. Uh, as you'll see, we can figure out the extension at the very bottom. So its extension is 503. 
uh, we can figure out the, the uh, IP address of the proxy server. Uh, that's the fourth line down. Uh, we can figure out the MAC address. Lots of interesting information that probably shouldn't be revealed using the public uh, rewrites here. So now we're going to move into exploiting the actual network infrastructure. So don't need to go into a huge, long uh, introduction to what man-in-the-middle attacks are, but again, there's lots of tools that, that can be used to perform a man-in-the-middle attack. Um, again, if you can control the network, you can sniff any application, regardless if it's VoIP, email, web. So there are actually some decent tools that you can use to reassemble the VoIP stream. So we just we tried to show um, uh, Ethereal, Wireshark. There's actually a, a better tool called Kane. Uh, I was actually going to run through this, but we actually uh, closed up our network pretty well last night as we were walking through this. So I'm just going to walk through um, what this would actually look like. So can enable. Um, again, it's not specifically a VoIP tool, but it's useful for a variety of network hacking activities. So what you would do is you go to Sniffer. Let me uh, clear, clear all this so you can see how this works. You go to Sniffer, and then you would scan MAC addresses. Oops. Activate our Sniffer. Scan for MAC addresses. And so we'll just do the, all the hosts in the range. So it found, found our two phones, 51, 53. Uh, it found our gateway. And it found our uh, asterisk server, and it also found uh, the attacker, uh, the attacking box that we'll be showing you. So then we go to our poison routing tab. I'm going to remove this so you can see it from scratch. And you click add. And if we we're going to do this, well, we would impersonate the gateway. We highlight all of these. And then, so if we were to actually click this button in the upper left, um, we would actually be a man in the middle. We'd be forwarding all traffic as masquerading as the gateway. Then if you actually go to the VoIP tab in the lower right, um, you'd actually see that we'd be able to eavesdrop on a conversation. It actually replays it, uh, reassembles it, and you can actually replay it. So that's how you'd use Kane. Sorry, we don't want to actually mess up the rest of our demos, although it doesn't seem to be a problem so far. So Obviously, we all know that fuzzing isn't quite specific as well, but again, the telecom world uh, doesn't have a lot of expertise necessarily with building robust applications. Um, what we found is even the Proto Suite that is available still, and this is a free set of tools that the Protos guys out of the University of Oulu in Finland developed to test the robustness of many SIP and H323 uh, stacks. Uh, we found that running this tool set against some of these phones and some of these uh, soft phones actually crashed them, uh, uncovered some vulnerabilities. Fortunately, some of those vendors are actually still fixing them, so we're not going to drop a lot of zero day on here, um, but we will be releasing those on our website. So again, just some very basic robustness testing uh, is needed by many vendors. So here's an example. Just This is actually a packet that crashed one of the phones. Here's a sample invite message. This is you know normal enough looking, uh, and we just extended the VIA tag. This is actually comes out of the Proto Suite. Um, this actually crashed one of the phones, so kind of scary. SIP is just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many VoIP protocols that have yet to really undergo the scrutiny that many other application level protocols have so far. 
So at this point, I'm going to hand things over to Mark to talk about uh, VoIP-specific types of attacks and the tools that we wrote. Okay, thank you, David. Uh, I'm going to start with and talk a little bit about uh, application application level man in the middle attacks. We, in addition to some of the tools like uh, Dave talked about, Kane enable, etc. We also developed a, a uh, what we call it a rogue back-to-back -back user agent. We actually call it SIP Rogue. And what that is is that's a piece of software that can behave like a SIP user agent to one side, like I show here, and then a SIP user agent to the other side. It can also behave sort of like a rudimentary SIP proxy. So if you're able to hijack a registration and get in the middle between a, a SIP user agent, a SIP phone, and a proxy, or between two proxies, or between two user agents, you can use this software to see and manipulate all the signaling and also manipulate the audio. We're not actually going to demo that here today because it's sort of a, a, a chore to demo, but just want to point out that this piece of software is a nice foundation for a, a basic set of attacks that it does right now, and uh, you, know, you can take the source code and add additional things as well. One of the things that it does that's pretty interesting is since it sees all the RTP, since it sees all the audio that's, say, going between two user agents, if you'd like to delete that audio, modify it, or even insert additional audio, you can do that as well. So if, for example, you've recorded a WAV file that says, you know, uh, by Viagra or whatever, uh, you can insert that audio. Um, you may hear people say that inserting audio and things like that is, is trivial. It really isn't. You pretty much have to be in the middle or you have to see the actual audio because RTP has sequence numbers, it has timestamps and pretty much all the user agents right now that are processing audio do look at those values. So just like getting in the middle of a TCP stream, you have to have that information to really interject or uh, overwrite the audio. We did quite a bit of denial of service or disruption of service. We used some basic tools uh, like UDP floods, TCP SYN floods, et cetera, et cetera, to uh, test various SIP user agents, uh, SIP proxies, as well as some of the, uh, the uh, major vendor PBX platforms as well. I'm not going to talk about that a whole lot, and, and obviously I don't think anybody here wants to see yet another UDP flood demo. But uh, I do want to point out that those basic tools, you know, just basic UDP flooding, uh, TCP SYN flooding, RTP flooding, non-intelligent RTP flooding, are very effective against virtually all of the user agents we played with uh, virtually all of the proxies, and then uh, some of the actual components of the major PBX platforms. The other thing we did is, as David talked about, in, in the SIP world, the, the request that initiates a call is called an invite. So we wrote an invite flood tool, and basically what this does is it lets you flood a proxy, a user agent, or some other component that's processing SIP with one, a million, or whatever SIP invites. And it's pretty clever in the sense of how it varies call IDs, et cetera, so that it, uh, it creates the maximum load on the target. So we're going to go ahead and uh, do this at great peril because uh, uh, this is a very effective attack. So let me, let me run a couple of things here. Hopefully I will be immune from this uh, small screen size here. 
Micaiah. The first demo I'm, I'm going to do is very simple. I'm just going to hammer the asterisk PBX with a million invites. Uh, depending on the, the processing power of this PC and the network, that attack will run about two or three minutes. So uh, I'm not going to go through the command line too much. You can, uh, you can take a look at that. And of course, these tools, as well as some pretty decent documentation, is on our web page. So let me go ahead and fire this up. Okay, and basically all this is doing is, like I said, it is just hammering the Astra server with call starts. So I'm going to try to get David here to make a call between one of the two phones. Now what should happen is this phone should ring. But there ain't no way in heck it's going to ring. Let's Okay, let's try the other way. Oops, I got impatient. So right now the proxy server is processing processing so many bogus invite messages that it thinks are legitimate calls. Uh, yeah, it has so many ahead of them that these aren't even getting on the queue. Yeah, these aren't going to go through. Uh, you can. There are tools that can help you. I'm sorry. The question was, can you see the load on the asterisk box? Uh, we we're not ready to show you right now, but uh, there are tools that will show you. I, I, we can show you that offline. Well, if if you got onto the asterisk server right now, what you probably see is an elevated CPU, and different proxies store calls like this in different ways, and Sir uh, keeps them in memory. So. If this attack was executed against Sir, for example, the CPU would be pegged and you would probably be out of memory. With Asterisk, it creates files, so what, what is probably happening right now is it is running out of files. It's queued up enough, some, some number of requests based on how the system is configured, and uh, the rest of them is just chucking. So, so just now able to make a call after we stop that. So what happens is, depending on how the system's configured, it's going to queue up some number, and then these, uh, the proxy will generally recover after some amount of time, and you are able to make some calls. We have seen certain cases where when you execute these sorts of attacks, or if you do it one, two, three, or four times, that eventually the proxy will fail and will have to be rebooted. Okay, let's do another one here. What, what this attack does is, it, uh, it simply sen it sends additional requests directly to the phone. So let's go ahead and run this one. This is going to target the Abaya. It's getting so many, it's going to take it a little while, but let me go ahead and stop it. So it's hard to see, but all the lines are filled up. So even if I pick it up, hang it up, pick it up, hang it up, I'm, I'm about ready to just unplug it and uh, go home for the day. You get real good at unplugging wires when you're doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. So you know, that's real simple, but you know you could also take a command like that. You could put it into a script, and you could replicate that attack and send it to ten phones or a thousand phones. Uh, and you don't have to generate. You know, I, I was generating a million packets here. You could generate ten thousand or whatever. Uh, you could replicate that for a hundred or a thousand phones, and you could pretty much take down each phone. This particular pat attack bypasses the proxy, so the proxy is not going to have any visibility into this attack taking place. Now, 
You can also do it the SNOP, to the SNOM phone. The SNOM is a little interesting in that it'll actually queue up invites, like 10 or 15 of them. And so, you know, you'll get an attack, uh, you'll pick up the phone, you'll put it back down, another one will queue up, and you have to do that 10 or 15 times. So eventually what you end up doing is just uh, rebooting the silly thing. So I just had to reboot the phone, which we expected. Uh, phone got hosed, either it ran out of memory or it's in a weird state. So a lot of the demos that we'll be doing today, you'll see us, you'll see me walking back and forth, unplugging the power cord, plugging it back in. So that actually was planned, believe it or not. So are we ready? No, it's coming up. Okay. The good news is that the phones generally boot pretty fast. Yeah, are you ready? Let, let me make one point that I forgot to mention. Um, while, those, while those phones are getting your minds right, we also, in addition to a very basic UDP tool that it just, just dumb as dirt, just sends a 1400 byte packets to a target, we also have a version of that that is QoS and VLAN aware. So uh, some of these attacks, you know, to really be effective, you have to get on the right VLAN uh, or you have to be able to get your packets onto there. We have versions of some of these tools that are VLAN and QoS aware as well. And again, all those are on the website. I don't run those here because we really don't need them for this simple little network. Say one. The other, the, there we go. Ready? Okay. Oops. Oops. Wrong place, wrong place. There we go. What this command does is this is another uh, instance of the invite flood. This is a pretty versatile tool. What it does is it, uh, it sends a request to the Avaya phone, it waits, and then it'll send another one. So what basically is going to happen is I'll send a request, somebody's going to pick it up, they'll put it down, and in another 10 seconds, there'll be another call. So I'll pick it up. There's nothing there. I'll hang it up, thinking it's prank right. caller. Go back to email spam or whatever you're right. surfing the web. Surfing the web. Again. Hello? So I'm getting pissed Damn off at this it. point. I'm probably ready to go home again. Okay. <sighs> yeah, so now it gets unplugged again from the wall. So, I mean, that, that's a real simple example, but you could easily plug in a call every 20 seconds, make 500 calls, so that, it's not an okay. Okay. <laughs> so that this goes on for hours. And, of course, you could put this into a script. So if you use David's cool enumeration tool and you had a 1,000 uh, extensions, or you could probably guess them, um, you, know, you, could, you could plug those into a script and have that same behavior happening with all the phones. Um, as I mentioned... This particular attack bypasses the proxy, so if the proxy has some sort of, of rate limiting or call admission control or something like that, this particular attack, because it bypasses the proxy, uh, won't be deflected by that. So again, these tools are all available at hackingvoip.com. Right. Could be live right now. Yeah, there's a bunch of additional things that you can do with this tool, but that's you know that's sort of the the ten thousand foot level. All right, let's jump ahead. Uh, in addition to the tool that I showed you, which runs in Linux, if you want to do the same sorts of things in Windows, you can use Civis. Uh, you probably can't see the parameters up there, but uh, Civis has a utility screen where you can craft a packet and then generate one or a million of those packets. 
the only disadvantage to Civis is that A, it uses a GUI. I'm not a GUI fan, but Civis uh, is apparently written in Java, so its rate of uh, packet generation is probably about one-fiftieth uh, of the tool that we built. Plus, it doesn't vary call ID and other values, so it's a little bit less disruptive in terms of its ability to affect a proxy. It's still deadly against the phone, but it really doesn't have the, uh, the ability to generate packets fast enough to really tear down a proxy. Okay, uh, just a reminder of our little test bit here. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is certain phones uh, will accept what's called a notify event. Uh, and, and what's interesting is they shouldn't accept that unless they actually subscribe to it, but certain phones do. So what you can do is you can send a special uh, type of notify event with a check sync uh, value, and that will cause certain phones to reboot. Again, this is no authentication required. What, what you're going to see is all the lights blink on this. You're, we're actually going to reboot this phone. Uh, just by sending one packet, and it's pretty reliable each time. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to see it light up and restart. Okay, here we go. Uh, those are just the parameters here, uh, very simple. Okay. And there it goes. Can y'all see that? We're not lying. So again, if you, if you can imagine, if this was on a sleep timer, uh, I'm trying to make a phone call, phone reboots every five seconds. Again, I'm going home for the day, so. Now this doesn't work on every single phone. Um, it works on about half the phones we've tested. Uh, it worked on one of the. It worked on the Avaya phone that I have back in my lab, and it doesn't work on this particular phone. There's probably a way we could make it work, but uh, uh, as of right now, I can only do it for the time. I'll do it one more time just for giggles. Um, some of the phones, the the SNOM takes this value, takes this request and cleanly reboots. I found certain phones, I won't mention which ones, uh, when they get this re the request, they just basically crash. They don't reboot, uh, they just crash in a nasty way. So it's a, it's a pretty nasty little attack. Okay, jumping ahead. Oh, and by the way, in addition to the tool I ran in Linux, you can also, of course, use Civis this. You just have to know the right packet. And if you've got good eyes, you can probably see down at the event uh, field there where we plugged in CheckSync. Just a reminder of the test bed. Um, I'll come back to that, that in a second. We're going to do that last. We, we, have a, we have a tool that does authentication-aware registration hijacking. And it works like a charm with my version of Asterisk. With Asterisk at home, it seems to uh, cause some brain damage. So we'll do that one last. Um, Another thing that you can do, David talked about in the SIP world, when, when David and I are talking, when we're done with our conversation, there's an exchange of buy requests between the two user agents. Generally goes through the proxy, doesn't have to, but generally that goes through the proxy. So if an attacker is aware of that conversation and can glean certain values, they can send an illicit buy request to one or both of the phones and tear down the, message, tear down the call. Now you may hear people say that that's trivial, it's, uh, it's actually a little bit trickier than it sounds because SIP has, a, has values like a call ID, from tag, to tag, that it uses to differentiate calls, uh, to differentiate branches between calls, and so on. So in order for this attack to work effectively, you have to see those values. Are so are we, are we stable? Uh, yeah, no. Okay. <laughs>
almost stable. Huh? Okay, let's say one. Tournament director, are you poker player? actually want this feedback to actually illustrate when uh, where the call actually disconnects. It's a lot easier to demonstrate. So hopefully it works soon. Okay, what I'm doing, and hopefully you can hear and, and aren't, aren't, uh, aren't going to be brain damaged, is I'm using the SIP packet capture on the SNOM phone to grab some of these values. So like David showed you a moment ago, uh, the SNOM phone is really nice in that it, it, it captures uh, packets for you. You could do this with Ethereal or another tool, but basically I'm going to cheat. And if I look at, at the very bottom uh, packet, I see certain values in there like the call ID, etc. So I'm going to snag that value. Takes a little dexterity here, I apologize. Yes, yes, yes. No, that's the proxy. You're right, you're right. So what we're doing is we're gonna we're gonna fake the SNOM phone. We're gonna fake a message from it to the Avaya phone. It's a trick into thinking that we just hung up and then it'll disconnect the call and stop this annoying sound. Here's the call ID. Goes well. Ah, okay. Oh, it's not fun. Yeah, this. So what do I do on here? There it goes. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Have some more faith. Yeah. <laughs> so it took a little while, but uh, as you heard, the call dropped off. And if you were actually talking to someone on the phone again. Uh, conversation would just be cut off. Your uh, your phone would think that the other person disconnected, or uh, vice versa. Um, we can also do. We don't have a tool to show this, but uh, if you're actually calling someone, when you hang up before they pick up, there's a message. The SIP message is called cancel. So what happens is, if I'm calling this other phone, I hang up. What you want is you want the ringing to stop on that phone. Well, that cancel is sent from my phone. Uh, what I can also do is, as you're attempting to call someone else, I can send. Uh, the callee, a cancel message, and your phone will just stop ringing. You won't even know to pick up. So, uh, uh, you're, uh, you're on to the next section. Yeah, I, I was going to make uh, one additional comment here. This, th this is nasty, but if you're able to observe uh, a large number of calls on some sort of uh, link in the network where there's, there's a lot of activity, for example, over the WAN or maybe... Uh, on a network segment into Media Gateway where 
your internal calls are being converted to TDM to go to the outside world. If you were able to observe a lot of calls and observe a lot of the values that I, that I showed that you need to tear down calls and automated that, you could conceivably tear down uh, you know, one or hundreds of calls. Uh, I'm not going to demonstrate this tool because the tool that I wrote is not authentication enabled and we have authentication enabled for registrations for our phones here. But I uh, also have a little tool where it will send a, a, a uh, let, me, let me step back. Anytime these SIP phones, and this is true for most voice over IP phones, when you turn them on, they register themselves with the SIP proxy. And that enables the SIP proxy to route internal or incoming calls to that particular phone. Um, as you're moving around, you may register your phone, you may register a phone in the lab, maybe your PDA or whatever. Uh, that basically, again, that tells the proxy where to find you. Uh, you can erase these registrations in the proxy very easily. You can send a single packet. It shows it right here where uh, you specify a contact of star and it expires of zeros. If you send that packet to the SIP proxy for one of these phones and authentication is not enabled, it'll erase those registrations and any inbound call will basically be lost. Uh, you can do that with a tool that we wrote. You can also do that with Civis. I'm not doing it here again because uh, we have authentication enabled and this particular tool is not authentication aware. I also have another tool that is called Add Registrations. It can add additional registrations. So if, for example, a call comes into the CEO, you can add additional registrations so that that call, in addition to going to the CEO, might go to uh, several different uh, user agents. And the first one to pick it up gets the call. Okay, the last thing I'm going to talk about is uh, registration hijacking. I just talked about registration where a user agent or phone tells the SIP proxy where it's at so the proxy knows where to direct inbound calls. It's possible to erase that registration and replace it with the address of, a, of an attacker. So in this case, for example, if I, the attacker, erase the registration for that user to the far left and replace it with mine, then an inbound call to that user may come to me. And I can either accept that call, maybe I talk to them, maybe I act like a voicemail system, or using that SIP rogue application I talked about earlier, you can actually get in the middle on the signaling and audio. So we're going to give that a shot. Uh, let's go ahead and try that particular uh, command. Again, just a reminder, you can really make a call. Just make you sure can really you really pose up uh, your SIP environment. I mean, we're, we're doing a pretty good job of posing up our demo environment here. Make sure it's working before Actually, we I'm try gonna, to break it. I, I need to reboot the. Uh, I'm rebooting it via phone. No, that no of, of this guy. So we'll we'll try and do this one very last since this definitely will hose up the network. It'll erase the registration. Uh, we're going to try and essentially make all phone calls coming into the Avaya actually 
show up on our software that we have installed on the laptop to show you what registration hijack means. So, just to finish uh, on social threats, it seems like you can't actually read an article about voice over IP these days without hearing about terms like spit or void phishing. Um, obviously, spit, spam over IP telephony, isn't void specific. It's the evolution of you know, confidence games, scams that have plagued us since bulk faxes and telemarketing. Um, SPIT is really easy, as it turns out, to perform with VoIP. Uh, Asterisk is actually a great SPIT tool. Um, and actually, a cool application of it is a site called Popularity Dialer. Um, we've all been on a date or a blind date where you wish or you, someone would call you after an hour into it and say, you know, definitely need you to pick me up take me to the hospital, get it burnt, um, you need to come into the office. This is what that site actually does, and they use asterisk to play a pre-recorded one-way conversation. So if you look at the left, you can actually you know, plan the time exactly when the call is going to come in. I'll, I'll just play you one of them because it's, it's kind of amusing. So here's the, uh, the one-way conversation. Here's one of them. Hey, what's up? You got time to talk? Good. Where you at right now? Okay, good. Well, I'm not with the guy. Do you want to come out later? So obviously, if you're not having a good time, you can carry on your own conversation. So they recorded a couple. Let's see if we, uh, we can find them. Here was one. I, obviously, the guy forgot he called himself or someone pranked him because he sounds uh, a little drunk. Uh, we had another one. It, it looks like it's... Uh, you can play actually a bunch of them on, online. Uh, girls and guys are using it. So you can obviously see the application to spit. Uh, if you can play a one-way conversation, obviously you can record any uh, conversation and advertisement uh, and just you know, basically enumerate through a bunch of phone numbers and leave messages for people. So in that same vein, if you could leave a message for someone that says, hey, this is you know, Bank of America calling. Please call us back immediately at this number. Um, there's a problem with your account. You're about to be, um, you know, in, in debt, or you're, you went over your overdraft line. And in terms of phishing over email, most people have, I guess, come to be a little bit more wary of clicking on links, believing, you know, that they're actually getting contacted by a king from Nigeria, etc. Uh, there's a greater level of trust, though, in the phone system. You're more likely to call someone back if it's believable. Also, we're starting to see something that's called phishing. E-I-S-H-I-N-G. There's probably going to be a million more cutesy names associated with this, this area, uh, where uh, you're, we're seeing emails that are a lot like phishing emails, but instead of clicking on a link to a spoofed bank domain, uh, you're actually uh, getting asked to call a number. So this number actually goes to uh, an asterisk server, which uh, turns out it's pretty easy to turn into a VoIP phishing toolkit. I recommend going to Jay Shulman's talk. He was kind enough to share his slides and his presentation, his tools. Uh, with us, um, so I don't want to steal any of this thunder, but uh, it's pretty interesting how easy it is to get an 800 number routed to your SIP asterisk box, box uh, in about an hour or less, and essentially anyone calling in that 800 number will hear the same wave files that you upload into it. So, um, will, will this be an issue? Probably, because it's financially motivated. Um, same way that phishing spyware took off, 
this will probably be just as popular once the tools are made uh, public. Uh, and Jay isn't making his toolkit public, but uh, it's just an interesting side effect where the social threats keep up to date with the technology. So we're going to go back and just show you the registration hijacking, and then we'll have time for a couple questions. Yeah, I, w I wanted to make just a couple of quick points on SPIT. Um, as David mentioned, Asterix is a, a fantastic platform that, to do this. It's got a sort of an outgoing call function. You just drop a little configuration file in there, uh, you know, tell it what, what call to make, what audio, and uh, basically uh, we'll be publishing a little cookbook for how you might want to use uh, Asterisk as a spit generator. It's, it's uh, wonderfully effective for that, for better or worse. Say when. Again, what I'm going to show here is this Aviaphone has registered itself with the SIP proxy, so any inbound call, uh, perhaps from the SNOM phone there, will come to this phone. What I'm going to do is I'm going to hijack that registration and attempt to send it to a soft phone that's running on this uh, PC. So really two things are happening. First of all, it's going to erase the registration. Uh, and deal with the authentication challenge, and then it's going to replace it with the address of a soft phone. So as soon as David is uh, ready to go here, we'll give it a shot. We've had a little bit of trouble with this because I've been testing with Asterisk, and we're using Asterisk at home, uh, Trixbox now here, so we're just waiting for this one to boot up. should be about 10 more seconds. Um, Turn your soft phone on. Yeah, go ahead. So this time, or is it? What's easiest way here? Just uh, turn on X Lite. Uh, X Lite is a phone, free SIP phone, soft phone from Counterpath, and uh, actually a lot of vendors will uh, OEM this. Vonage actually uses X Lite for their SIP soft phone. So uh, the extension here is two hundred one. So obviously we shouldn't be getting any calls on 503. Um, okay, so you want to call from this now? Oh, sure. So this is kind of the uh, control part of it. We're going to call uh, the Avaya phone. It should go to it. We're going to dial 503. I just I already hijacked it, so uh, it won't ring. I'm sure it won't ring. Whether or not it'll go to this is so it's it's hijacked. It's not coming through here. Live okay. Up. Well, at the very least, we were able to hose the phone, so that should be something. Yeah, there's there's something there's something different about uh, this version of Asterisk, but yeah, this guy will definitely not receive any calls. Well, then, yeah, uh, so it, it just didn't reroute correctly. So it's we'd be glad to take a couple questions. Uh, thanks for uh, your kindness and graciousness with our uh, demos. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, so the question is, don't these phones usually re-register? So um, 
I'll let you take this one since we just talked about it. Virtually every phone has uh, some sort of re-registration interval. It's generally, uh, you can set it. it. From what I've seen, the average is around every 15 minutes. And you could, you could set it to like once a minute or something like that if you wanted to, and that would be one sort of crude countermeasure. But the bad part about that is if you've got several thousand phones and they're registering that often, it's, it's a fair amount of traffic. So, uh, and of course, as a counter-countermeasure, if I knew that my target was setting the registration interval down to a minute, I would just hijack more often. So, you know, I'm sorry? Right, so first, first what he did is he erased the registration. Uh, and so what that means is that no one has the extension 503. And then what he did is he added this soft phone as 503. Right. So that, you know, essentially if I'm in the office, I can make all calls coming to you come to me instead. That's, that's the application. Yes. Yes, sir. I'm sorry? This, this tool, I have several registration manipulation tools. Uh, some are not authentication enabled. This one is authentication enabled. So what, you, I, I, we didn't go through the, the, the uh, SIP trace here, but there's a, there's a registration attempt. It says unauthorized, comes back, and we send another one with the right credentials. Now that assumes that we've, uh, we've been able to crack the password. But uh, uh, we have a tool as well that will um, grab those credentials and run them through a dictionary and, and so that we can crack that. So this tool is, and I can show you the traces and everything else, it is authentication aware. G generally in SIP, most of your requests are not going to be authenticated, but it is a best practice to authenticate registrations. So this, this is the, it, it doesn't necessarily make sense to support authentication on an invite, but you definitely would want to do it on an attacking tool for registrations. There's a question back there. Yeah, so the question is, what are some of the countermeasures? Um, we actually had a lot of countermeasures listed, but we knew we wouldn't get through the presentation. And most of you guys would probably want to see the cool demos instead of hearing about countermeasures. Um, so obviously, each of the sections has its own countermeasure for, like the registration hijacking. Obviously, one of the one of the things you can do is enable authentication. There are various best practices at each of the uh, layers. So that would be kind of a layer seven thing. On the network itself, a lot of vendors recommend that you VLAN your data traffic and your VoIP traffic. So again, that can be bypassed as well, but that's not as realistic because some of the dependencies rely upon being able to uh, connect to the, some of their data servers, like TFTP servers, DHCP servers. So um, actually, if you, come, if you come by, we can actually share some of the uh, uh, countermeasures with you. Uh, we'll be posting this presentation online as well. So it'll have a lot of that info in it. Uh, question was, how many of the VoIP phones support static ARP entries? Um, not a lot. In fact, a lot of the phones we tested don't even have graphical readouts. So a lot of the stuff you're, you're, you have to do it with a TFTP file. Um, a lot of it's not documented. We picked the two phones that, or actually three phones, Cisco's pretty good too. Uh, we picked the few phones that are easiest to, to modify uh, some of those settings. But again, it's just the security hasn't driven that market yet. But obviously, that's that's one of the countermeasures as well for man in the middle uh, ARP, ARP poisoning to uh, apply port security if you have Cisco switches and actually um, apply static ARP maps. What, 
One of the one of the good countermeasures for hijacking is to have strong passwords. But unfortunately, uh, in one case, one of the major vendors uh, they uh, they recommend in their documentation to have the extension backwards. So if you find an enterprise that's using a, a mechanical scheme like that for their passwords, once you've broken one of them, you can pretty much break them all. So, you know, a real basic uh, 101 countermeasure is just to have strong passwords for the phones. Time for one more question. I'll let you guys know you guys want to go to break. Uh, over here. We have a ringer in the audience. Yeah. How, how many? The question is, how many of the phones apply the signaling security recommendations from, from the vendor itself, or just in general signaling security from the RFC? So obviously, a lot of these uh, attacks that Mark showed you can be mitigated if you actually encrypt the signaling. We couldn't get the caller ID tag. We couldn't get uh, you know a lot of the information we would need to do a call teardown. Uh, so. Uh, Cisco specific uses uh, Skinny and TLS. Um, a lot of the other vendors recommend uh, TLS, but to be quite honest, not a lot of vendors support it. Uh, Cisco does. Um, yes, I mean, we know. Uh, but, but the other thing just to mention is um, not a lot of users want to enable it because there is some overhead. You have to actually install, in some cases, certificates on phones. You have to manage PKI. Uh, and honestly, you know, we're just trying to get people to harden the phone so that the default administrative password in the web server isn't enabled by default. I mean, this is where the state of web security is, quite frankly. Uh, we're going to get there once, you know, the compelling events start to emerge. But right now, no one's even looking at signal security. Well, and even if certain phones support those features, uh, not all the proxies support those. I mean, there, there are proxies out there that don't support TCP, much less TLS. So, you know, you go out and you buy 5,000 phones that support super strong security, but, you know, the proxy doesn't support it, you know, that's, or, or vice versa. And in, in my opinion, if you have something like TLS on 4,999 phones, but not on one, then in my opinion, the whole model breaks down. Because, I mean, you have to, you know, that whole trust model sort of breaks down if you're not using it across the board. Guys, thank you very much for coming today. Thank you. Um, you'd like to come by and talk to some more. Good job. Kid. Yeah, good job.